Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In the Lord's Prayer we pray, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we pray that petition, those petitions in the Lord's Prayer, we're asking God to watch over us and to guard and keep us, protect us in our faith so that the devil and the sin-filled world around us and even our own sinful nature within us will not deceive us and lead us astray from God and from true faith in him and his will into unbelief and despair or any great shame and sin. We pray that God would deliver us from every evil that would threaten our bodies and our souls, especially from the evil one, the devil, the tempter himself, so that when our last hour of life on this earth comes, God, in his mercy, would deliver us from this earthly life of trouble and take us to eternal rest at his side in heaven. During this church year season of Lent, we give thanks to Jesus for offering himself as a sacrifice in our place. It's by that grace, that amazing love of our Savior Jesus, that we can stand and resist those temptations of the devil in the hour of temptation. When we are tempted by the devil, we have more than just the example of Jesus to follow. No, in Jesus we have our victor, our champion, the only one who could go head-to-head with the devil and who could overcome all of his temptations perfectly. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by his forerunner John, a great pronouncement was made by his heavenly Father, that Jesus is indeed the beloved Son of God the Father. And then last Sunday, if, if you were here or in another church worshiping last Sunday, you heard that about three years after that event of Jesus' baptism, as Jesus' public ministry was drawing to a close, as his impending suffering and death on the cross was coming near on the Mount of Transfiguration, again, God the Father spoke that great pronouncement from heaven, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. As we see, as we, as we look at the context of those pronouncements of God the Father, both of them preceded, went before, great conflicts. The first of those conflicts at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry was in the wilderness, that 40-day confrontation with the devil and his temptations. And of course, then, three years after that event, at the end of Jesus' ministry, as Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, to suffer and die, suffering for those consequences of sin that were brought about by the devil and his temptations. Wherever the devil is at work, it always results in sin and failure, mistakes, and ultimately in death and dying. And it is for this very reason that Jesus, the eternal, almighty, all-knowing, all-glorious Son of God, came into this sin-filled world in order to save sinners by overcoming the devil and by destroying his work and his power and destroying our last enemy, death. So that's why those pronouncements of the, the voice of God the Father from heaven were made right before these critical times of conflict. That is why 
Jesus came to give his very life an atonement for the sins of the world. His struggle against that old evil foe, his victory over the devil, assures us that we also will have that same victory that he achieved for us. It was as a humble servant that Jesus went to the suffering of the cross of Calvary. He was condemned because he is God's son, just as he claimed he was. And when he was led into temptation in the wilderness, it was also as God's son. That was the mission that he came to accomplish, to be tempted in every way, just as we are, to face the foe who destroyed our relationship with God, to be our representative, to be our forerunner, going into battle for us, to overcome any tempting and trial and testing that the evil one might bring against him. When the devil said to Jesus multiple times, if you are the Son of God, there really was no question in the mind of the devil that Jesus is the Son of God. As we mentioned earlier in our worship service, the devil originally was one of the holy angels that God created, as everything God created originally was good and perfect. And so the devil knew that Jesus is God, that he is the eternal Son of God, through whom all things were made. We read in the Gospel books of the Bible that when the devil and his demons possessed some people and then Jesus drove those demons out of the people who were possessed, the devil responded, Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So yes, the devil knew full well that Jesus is God. And it was because he is the Son of God that the devil was specially tempting and attacking him at this time. The devil knew that just as God had promised to Adam and Eve all the way back in the beginning, that Jesus is this one special seed, this one special offspring of the woman whom God promised would crush the devil's head, breaking the devil's power over people, destroying the work of the devil. The devil knew that now that Jesus had come into the world, that final crushing, that destruction that God had promised would come someday very soon. Yes, the devil knew who Jesus was. And that's also how the devil tempts us. He knows that we are God's children. He knows that by the power of the Holy Spirit, working through the good news of forgiveness and salvation through Jesus in God's word and in the sacrament of baptism and the Lord's Supper, that we have been born again to new spiritual life. We are no longer under the, the enslavement of his control, trapped in sin and guilt. And so the devil says, since you are God's children, let's see what you can do in your new relationship with God. Will God really take care of you? Will God feed you as he fed the people of Israel in the wilderness after they came out of slavery in Egypt? Will God take care of you just as he took care of a hungry prophet Elijah when there was famine in the land? You say God can do all things, a miracle. Can you now call on God and he will miraculously give you bread to eat? Remember his promises. He told you that all things are yours. 
He told you that all things are possible if you believe in Him. Have you ever had some questions or some doubts about such absolute promises of God like those? Temptations like those can be very trying, not for the unbeliever or for the skeptic who, who doesn't even believe in God in the first place, but for the child of God who has tasted and knows the goodness of the Lord, especially for the sinner who has found grace and pardon with God in Jesus. Temptations like these are often most trying and difficult for the new believer who has just recently come to faith in Jesus as Savior. So the devil comes tempting, now that you are God's child, will he answer your prayers? Will he really take care of you? Will he not only forgive your sins, but will he also forget about your sins? Will he really keep all of his promises to you? Sometimes our confidence in God can be shaken. Trust is most often most difficult when God himself is directing our lives, sometimes into some very uncomfortable places or situations that we would rather not go. Remember the extreme testing that God brought Abraham to? Abraham believed in God, and it was that faith that declared Abraham to be God's child, a true friend of God. God had made a promise to Abraham that it would not be a foreigner who would inherit all of his possessions because he and his wife did not have an heir, a child of their own. No, God promised Abraham that even in the old age of himself and his wife Sarah, that they would have a son of their own. And that that would be the one who would not only inherit uh, all of their property and wealth, but that son would be the one through whom God would fulfill the promise that he made all the way back in the beginning to Adam and Eve. That through that son and his descendants, the Savior of the world would be born. But then, something astounding happened, something, something that Abraham couldn't comprehend. God told Abraham to take that promised son Isaac, the promise that God had fulfilled miraculously when Abraham was 100 years old and his wife Sarah was 90 years old, even though they had never had a child before in their old age, God told Abraham to take that miracle child Isaac to sacrifice him as an offering to God on Mount Moriah. Isaac wondered about God's promise through the truth of God's promise as they were on the way to make the sacrifice and there is the wood for the sacrifice and there is the fire to burn up the sacrifice, but where is the animal for the sacrifice? And Abraham in faith kept saying, the Lord will provide the sacrifice. Confidence in God's promise remained firm even through that time of severe testing and trial. And we see that God did indeed provide a ram to be the substitute sacrifice in place of Isaac. When times of severe trial and testing come our way, we may ask, will the Lord take care of me? And indeed, he does. He always delivers us in our times of trial and testing. 
We too have a substitute whom God has provided for our salvation. One whose head was crowned with thorns, whose limbs were nailed to a tree. God selected this substitutionary sacrifice for us long before we even came to faith in him. Jesus, on the cross of Calvary, is God's answer to our time of testing. The Lord has indeed provided the Savior we needed. We saw in our Passion History reading from Matthew chapter 26 that the Apostle Peter, who had boldly confessed his faith, his confidence that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the promised Savior who had come into the world to save all people from their sins. But then we read that Jesus warned Peter that he was in danger of denying his Lord. No, never, Lord, Peter replied. I would never deny you. I would rather die than deny you. Jesus told Peter that Satan was tempting him. And yes, we see that God did allow Peter to undergo that time of temptation and testing. But Jesus said to Peter, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. The Lord himself will be with his children who face temptation. And so we, aware of our danger, we call out to our God in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. But also knowing his power and grace and his promises to us, we continue, but deliver us from evil. Or as, as we can alternatively translate, deliver us from the evil one, from the devil and his temptations. In our hunger and in our need, however great or devastating our, our trials and, and sufferings might be, in our longing and our hope, as strong as they might be, in our despair and our doubt, the devil whispers in our ear, you're God's child. How can he do that to you? You are God's child. How can he let this happen to you? We see our Savior Jesus responding with God's word to this lie and temptation of the devil using Deuteronomy chapter 8. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Jesus is saying that a person's life does not consist in the things he possesses or in food or drink, but in the will of God and God's promises. It's not what we put in our mouths, but what comes from the mouth of God that sustains us. It's not what people want. It's what God wants that is most important. Trust God and discover that he does not abandon his children, his creation, his redeemed ones, his very own sons and daughters. Jesus faced temptation as God's very own son. He understands and he knows well our plight, our, our suffering, our temptations, recognizing it from ages of conflict with the old evil foe, the devil. His praying for us, his sending of his holy angels to watch over us, his constant care for us is always with us. In him is life indeed. 
Jesus quoted the Bible to use as a, as a shield to block those attacks of the devil, those spiritual attacks of the devil. The very word that comes out of the mouth of God, which not only gives life, but also nourishes and sustains life and strengthens us, strengthens us in our trust and confidence in God and in his grace and blessing. It is the word of God that gives us power from God himself to fight back against temptations of the devil. But there comes a time in our lives when we can even be tempted with God's own word, just as the devil tried to tempt Jesus with God's word. That also is how the devil tempted Adam and Eve way back in the beginning, as we read in Genesis chapter 3, taking God's word and, and twisting it to plant seeds of doubt and mistrust in their minds. Did God really say no, there's no danger here. God just doesn't want you to, to enjoy this particular kind of pleasure. So go ahead. Nothing bad will really happen. In fact, it will be a benefit, a blessing to you if you, if you taste that forbidden fruit. Even the promise of God's salvation through Jesus on the cross, the assurance that Jesus has overcome death, the devil, and sin, are used by the devil to lead us to doubt God's word. The devil says, look, all around you is death. Everyone dies. So how can you say that in Christ there is no death but only life? Look, all around you is sin. The world is torn apart by sin. So how can you say that in Christ there is victory over sin? Can you really trust God and his word? The devil tempted Jesus with God's own word. He took Jesus to the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem and told him to jump down from that high place as a sign of his trust in God and God's promise, misusing Psalm 91, verses 11 to 12, which the devil quoted, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus replied again from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, Again, it is written, you shall not test the Lord your God. The devil wasn't really asking Jesus to trust God's word. No, he was asking Jesus for mistrust and misuse of God's word. To truly trust God is not to test him, but instead to believe in him. To trust God is to believe his word and his promises. Over and over again, God has given us his gracious promises. Promises that he will take care of us. That he will always be at our side. That he will be our strength and our stay. That he will not condemn us. And ultimately, that he will raise our bodies back to life and glorify them and take us to be with him in heaven forever. So trusting in all of God's promises, we walk by faith, not by sight. It's not always easy to believe. When we lay a loved one to rest in the ground of a cemetery, we may wonder, how is it possible for God to raise this lifeless body back to life? And even better than it was in the condition when it passed away. But it is God's word, not man's. When we are tempted, that is the time to grasp God's promises with the hand of a God-given faith and to firmly trust in him all the way.
because we know that he will give us the best and nothing else. He did that through the gift of his son Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Then in the devil's final temptation, we see that he took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, I will give you all of these things if you will bow down and worship me. But of course, we know that the world does not belong to the devil. The world belongs to God. It was created by him and it is sustained by him. The world that he created and all that is in it is precious in his sight. But here, the usurper, the pretender, the devil, tells the creator, Jesus himself, it is mine. It is mine to give to those who bow down and worship me. But again, Jesus responds to this lie of the devil with the word of God. Again, from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil also tempts us to believe that he can give us the world and all its riches and pleasures if we just turn our back on God and God's will and instead follow the ways of the devil and the sin-filled world around us. But God's word reminds us there is only one who is truly in control of this world, and he is the Lord God. There is no other. So, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when we are tempted as God's own children, just as Jesus, God's own Son, was tempted, we flee to our Heavenly Father and find help and strength in His promises, in His Word. When we're tempted to, to doubt God's promises or to twist them for the wrong, we turn again to His promises. We pray for the Holy Spirit to increase our faith to keep us strong against those attacks and temptations of the devil. And even though the whole world may seem to be against us, may the Lord, by his word, keep reminding us that there is none other but him, our Lord and Savior. Jesus won the victory for us, paying for our sins of, of doubt and failure to keep God's commands, rescuing us from our mistakes and our wrongs, overcoming our foolish ways, freeing us from guilt and punishment by his sacrifice for us on the cross. He has won the victory over the old evil foe, the devil. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us, we tremble not, we fear no ill, they shall not overpower us. The world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He is judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. Amen.